Hello, Logic friends. This episode of the Logic Podcast is sponsored by AJA. AJA develops an extensive range of solutions for the professional video and audio market, from conversion devices to IO solutions, digital recorders, cameras, and more. The team at AJA is a real friend to the Logic community. They've sponsored prizes for the One Frame of White and the famous NAB parties. They make the best gear out there, so if you're looking for anything in the IO market, be sure to get it from AJA. This episode is also sponsored by Synesis Oceana. Synesis is my personal reseller. I've had a relationship with them for 15 years and could not do my job without them. They've sponsored all of the user groups in North America. They sponsor the One Frame of White broadcast and they've sponsored prizes for the Logic Parties. Just all around true friends to the Flame community. If you have a need for anything in terms of your Flame system, getting it up and running, keeping up and running, expanding, networking, remote working, call Synesis. Find out more about their remote workflow solutions at Synesis.io. Working remotely is definitely the new normal. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk to Jason Starn and Yannick LeBlanc, two of the systems engineers at Synesis Oceana, and get their thoughts on what the best solutions are for everyone's remote workflow. Here's my interview with Jason and Yannick. Yeah. All right. Well, let me do a let me do a proper intro, and then through the magic of editing, I will put that at the beginning of this. Okay. Uh, and I know you'll be amazed because it's going to appear seamless, or at least you <laughs> so won't see much the cut. talent in this room. Oh my God! Right? I don't know about you. I, I'm feeling it. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> crazy, <laughs> amount crazy, crazy <laughs> amount of time. Crazy, crazy amount of time. Oh my God! It's intimidating just sitting here. So I want to welcome to uh, to the Logic Podcast, Jason Starn, VP of Media Solutions, and Yannick LeBlanc, Systems Engineer. They These guys both work for Synesis Oceana. How's it going there, Jason? Great news. We just finished shooting, 18-day shoot, the first SAG-approved greenlit film after or during the pandemic. So, Oh, that's fantastic. Amazing. Oh, thank God. Amazing. Yeah. We did uh, it. Nobody got sick. I... I I don't want to, uh, I'm not, not prying for information you can't tell me, but sure. like what, what, uh, tell you oh, great. What was it for? And what kind of, you know, what was your involvement? What, what was the ask and how did you figure it out? Um, my involvement was a producer, I'm a producer on the film and post-supervisor. And the, the main reason to get involved in the film, just like I did on the last film, was to help build my knowledge and build this film and doing something different with it where we're going to do the whole editorial, the whole offline is going to be done in the cloud in the cloud workflow between three different editors. So I think that's, that's the main reason, you know, I wanted to be involved in this film. It's, it's a great film. So I've got some big, big cast. That's great, man. Yeah. So are, are cool. you, are you doing this like as, through Synesis or is this uh, like yeah, personal, I mean, personal enrichment? It's, it's both, you know, Synesis allows me to do this. It helps us as our brand because, you know, we, we try to myself, Yannick, the other guys, everybody has real experience in, in the business that we're in. Right. So it, it helps us. Like when we talk about workflows that we build, it's because we've done it and we're doing mm -hmm. it. So it just helps our stock. We're, we're not a company that just says, Hey, you know, you read this or a manufacturer says, Hey, we got this. It's great. And then you just go for their word. You got to, got to do it and you got to prove it so i think that's what helps us to 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 have a great company yannick you're you're joining us from la yeah i'm based in la uh west side sunny california 
I think it's it's I'd like to hear more about the editing in the cloud because you know the if there's one thing that's kind of been uh like a phenomenon with the lockdown, right? Is it's happened quickly, right? Everybody had to scramble to figure out how the hell they were going to be able to work remotely. We all figured it out, you know, and we all thought it was going to be for two weeks. <laughs> and here yeah. we are like four and a half months later, right? And what you're starting to see now, or at least what I'm starting to see now is the permanent solutions. Like, you know, we all innovated to figure it out. Everybody, you know, came up with their like duct tape and, and chewing gum, you know, and Dropbox folders solutions. But tell me a little bit about, you know, how you're going to edit this uh, film in the cloud and what that means. Yeah. So for, for us, the, um, and, and the first proof was another film I did last year, just six months ago, where we did the trailer edit in the cloud. And uh, we, we're partnered with a company called Simple, simplecloud.io. And that's a company that I started working with several years ago. And then we, they're based out of Madrid, Spain. So Synesis, we're, we're pretty good at this, finding those new technologies and then bringing that technology from the smaller companies out to North America and really trying to become a distributor and a, a partner for those kind of companies. And with Simple Cloud, they, you know, it's a it's a company that has a platform that allows you to spin up and down machines like on the fly, and add your own software, and really build your own pipeline around their tool set. And it's all in the IBM data center, so there's 60 IBM data centers worldwide that we could spin up on. So we try to try to um, become like you try to build a team around the data center that is closest to you right where your team's going to be so that your speed is is really really good so. yeah latency is your enemy i know that. yeah latency is your enemy and so we figured out if you could stay at 80 milliseconds or, or lower then you can have a really great experience you you could have real almost a real-time experience you don't know that you're not local right when, mm -hmm. you're, when you're doing that so and to get 80 milliseconds you only need to have between 25 30 megabits a second which everybody has at home now you guys and all the all of our companies and customers are now that they're having to work from home, they're starting to figure out this stuff, right? Like, oh, right. Um, yeah, if you didn't have that, you have it now. That's right, exactly. <laughs> if you didn't have it, you're, you're ponying up that extra thirty bucks a month to get that. You know that it. Experience. I remember. Um, I remember you showing me Simple Cloud uh, at NAB last year. You had it yeah. uh, as a demo in the suite. That that's wild. What what has changed in the uh, in the twelve months? What's changed in the twelve months? I mean, things obviously get better. Uh, there's been a lot of development. It seems like things are always moving. Um, we've, we've gotten faster machines. I would say that uh, we've gotten better GPU, NVIDIA, um, and IBM's pretty, pretty good at keeping up with the, the hardware, the current hardware. So as, as far as hardware goes, and they're all running on bare metal as well, bare, bare metal servers that they control. So we were able to get better GPU. I think we're running on... Um, Oh my gosh, I should know this. I think we're on V100s now. Maybe Yannick knows. He's been working yeah, a lot. Yeah, the Tesla V100s. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, so what exactly, uh, what, what is running up in, in the cloud on those Tesla V100s? So um, it, it depends. If, let's say, you know, every pipeline is different. Everybody, every discipline is different. Every discipline doesn't require like a, a machine with 32 gigs of video RAM and 192 gigs of CPU RAM and, you know, 40 cores. So like you could take a bare metal machine and depending on what the discipline is for, for those artists that you need, then you can carve up that machine to get exactly what you need for the discipline of the artist or whatever. Like, let's say if you're, 
you're a Houdini guy and you need, you don't, you probably got to run a bunch of simulation stuff. You're not going to need a lot of GPU to do that. You're going to need a lot of CPU. So you can get very custom is what you need to spin up. Right. And so maybe you grab like a, an X 800 machine that has less GPU than let's say an X 1600, but it has a, a lot of cores or, or maybe you just need pure CPU and we can spin those up. Uh, very fast and then just run all our sims on that and not worry about having a desktop that has like i said a bunch of gpu in it that you're not necessarily using so and maybe you have some artists that are just some photoshop artists right maybe they they just need some x200 machines so those machines those machines are a lot more uh, affordable you know you're not paying an exuberant amount of money for those those machines because you don't need those that horsepower because maybe you're just doing some texture artist work or something. So mm-hmm. I think that's the beauty of the simple cloud stuff. It's, it's really, you just, you get what you need for the time you need it and for the project or piece of the project that you're on. Is there, what about the data? Like the, that's the one thing that always seems to be the bottleneck. You know, I've, yeah. my client handed me seven terabytes of footage <laughs> and uh, you know, how do I get that to everybody? What, 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 what's the answer to the data problem? Well, I mean, that, that, that's still an issue, I, I guess. Um, what, what I tell people, because all, you, all your fast storage is in the cloud. It's in that data center and connected uh, via 10 gig direct connects to, to all your cloud machines. So all that data is shared in one pool to the machines and to the people that need to access that data. And so when you're dealing with the seven terabytes or 10 terabytes or whatever, are you, you, you got to look at it and say, how much data do I really need for this piece of my project that I'm working on? Right. How much of, of the raw do I need? And if you, you do that, then you can really kind of narrow that down. It's like maybe that 10 terabytes, you really only need one terabyte for your piece of that or for that group of artists, that team that's working on that. So it's agnostic to the storage. So you could have an S3 bucket in Amazon. You can have, Google Drive, which a lot of people do, or use a box or even Dropbox and attach that to the VDIs or even use your own storage. And through VPN, you could connect your own storage up to those cloud machines, but then move the data that you really, really need. You got to figure that out to the cloud storage. So then you're not paying for like 20 terabytes or 30 terabytes of storage because you already have that on-prem. You just push what you need for that. There's still an active management aspect to, to that. That's right. What um what's the what's the cost structure? Like how much is that? How much does a what does it cost? Because I've I, I've heard horror stories from people who haven't managed it correctly. You know, who <laughs> left the machines running all night or did eight K renders of everything that they should have done. You know, low res previews of things like that. So yeah, so there's a mechanism that's built in place, and if you if your machine goes idle, and we can set that globally for the studio. And the default is 120 minutes. It'll log itself out. So it'll log itself off or shut itself down. And you can even set those um, defaults to a lower number per VDI machine. So if somebody forgets to log out at night and they fall asleep, then that system will log itself off. You're not going to incur a bunch of billing, you know, that you, you might, that might happen to you somewhere else. So, and, and the billing ranges anywhere from like, there's, there's two different, uh, without getting like too granular in numbers, you know, there's, a, there's a user model where you're up to, you're using up to 160 hours of machine time a month, and then you can float into an hourly cost after that. Or there's a, um, another model that's a desktop model or workstation model that gives you two hour, 200 hours a month 
and then you just work toward those hours and that cost goes from like $200 a month all the way up to I think $800 a month for a super high end machine. So, and then storage is additional, right? You can get storage as low as a hundred gigs all the way up to whatever terabytes you want. So to whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. And what about the, like managing the licenses for the, the apps? Yeah, it's a bring your own license model. The whole thing is bring your own license model. If you're running a license server on-prem, we can, through VPN, get to that license server and pull, pull those software licenses that way to the VDI machines. Or if you're like running uh, Autodesk or Adobe stuff, a lot of that stuff is sign-on now, right? So I really love that, that part about the sign-on is a user will just sign on for the license and pull the license at that time. So it makes it really easy. What about uh, security? I mean, uh, you know, there are all kinds of security concerns for, you know, if you're doing work for, for Netflix or for Marvel or for Disney. Uh, are, are there any solutions that you guys offer that include not only access to the, the apps and everything, but that are kind of like a secure turnkey solution also? Um, well, I mean, the IBM data center itself has gone through a ton of security audits. I know the team at Simple is working directly with uh, MPAA for those audits. And I don't think there's a fully vetted, like, cloud-written document yet for that. And not that I'm aware of. Um, and I know every studio is different as well. So we had to, we've done some work with, I don't know that I can name the studios, but some bigger studios that have heavy security requirements. And what we had to do was send over the audits that we've already done and tested and then that allowed us to go to work for them. So they, their team has to audit it. And I think every case is unique in that sense. But I know being it's IBM, you, you tend to lean on the big guys for the security that they already put in place. So, Yannick, what are you hearing from, uh, from the clients that you or the customers that you, that you visit? What has been their kind of uh, their biggest concern with working remotely? Biggest concern is always performance. Uh, I, I concentrate more on the extending on-premise, uh, where Jason is more into uh, uh, setting up studios in the cloud. Um, so a lot of what I do is uh, using different remote protocols or hardware between Paradici, RGS, TGX, RDP to, uh, to extend customers. But the biggest concern is always, uh, your experience is always going to be as good as your network performance. And having to deal with, uh, on the studio side, most, most of the studios now uh, have at least a one gig fiber coming out. But when you're getting into users' home, uh, it's a bit of a can of worms. Every time you go to a different home, you never find the same thing. <laughs> yeah, right. So it, it ranges between the user that has Fios and a gig of fiber coming straight to the house to the guy who doesn't spend any money on his internet and he's got 40 megs. Um, so that's, that's usually the biggest challenge is uh, being able to tune up whatever tools we have to be able to give the, the, the user the best experience. And also extending one or two users out of the studio is not that big of a bandwidth requirement, but at some of our clients, uh, they're now up to 70, 100 users that are just pulling uh, video straight off machines all day. Um, so yep. uh, it's taxing on firewalls. It's taxing on uh, internet connections. But luckily, bandwidth is getting cheaper and cheaper. So 
Uh, we have a lot of clients that are just going straight to thin gig fibers now and to, to be able to handle that kind of load. Yeah, I'll add to that. And Yannick was talking about some of the challenges, right? And that's the network side. And uh, for me, a lot of the stuff when we're dealing with the cloud, some people just want to get on with their Wi-Fi. And although they'll do a speed test yeah. and they'll get good results from the speed test of the, being on a Wi-Fi, you still get a lot of jitter. So we really, there's a lot of things that you kind of need to say, okay, you got to do it this way, guys, to have the best experience. And that, that can be a challenge. Nobody wants to run a cable across their living room floor either. Funny you mentioned that because when we first started, like, you know, the at home or working from home, that's exactly what I, I did. I was like, dude, I've got this, I've got my Orbi, my Netgear Orbi. It's right here. It's like, I guess that's eight feet above like the base station, you know, right, right below me and everything's frigging great. And the connection when we hooked up to Teradici and everything, I was having such latency nightmares, even though the speed test was fine, that um, I grabbed a 50 foot ethernet cable because everyone has one at home. Right. Right. And uh, I have it like I I have it taped, you know, going down the side of my stairs because, you know, this is only going to be for two weeks, you know, to get into the living room. And that's what I told my wife. I was like, oh, it's just for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, once this is all over, we'll hire an electrician, (laughs) drop a a connection. It'll be fine. It's really been eye opening as to like how how uh, all of us working remotely have now uh, had to start to think like an engineer or at least be um, sympathetic to, <laughs> to all the things you guys go through because it happens on both ends. You know, all of a sudden, both my kids will be playing World of Warcraft. And then, uh, I, you know, all of a sudden I have no, <laughs> I can't move the cursor. It's like I'm dragging my cursor through peanut butter. Do you have a, a, a preferred flavor of, uh, of, of thin client or service, whether it's RGS or Teradici or is, what, what are some of the considerations? Why would we choose one over another? That's a good Yannick question. <laughs> Yannick, your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, that most definitely. Our, our, our favorite platform right now is Teradici. Uh-huh. Uh, just for, uh, for performance, but also having hardware to hardware uh, kind of gets the machine out of the equation. The experience is always going to be the same between the client and the host. Uh, where when we're dealing with software protocols, uh, we end up uh, taxing the CPU, the GPU of the machine. So better machines are going to perform better on the remote protocol. Mm-hmm. Where when we're working with uh, with third DC hardware, uh, it's always the same. Uh, so it's way more predictable when it comes to tuning and the feed and and performance, and also it it gives us the best latency. Obviously, uh, distance is a, is a big point. The closer you're to the studio, and that, that doesn't necessarily mean geographically, but closer network-wise, right. uh, the better experience you're going to get. So we get into cities like Dallas where uh, there's tons of fiber. Uh, most of our users there have uh, a gig fiber coming to the house. And even often the studio is on the same ISP, so they get a five millisecond latency. Uh, where we end up in other towns where the infrastructure is not as good uh, and we don't quite know how far we're going back and forth, even if the studio is next door, uh, the experience is, uh, is not as good. So uh, definitely Teradici is usually, most of our clients will start with software solutions mm-hmm. and then slowly work their way up to uh, a more long-term solution, which is buying hardware, investing in the infrastructure, 
and uh, using uh, hardware KVM solutions. Gotcha. Let's talk about storage for a little bit, or, or even, you know, I, I had put a poll up on Logic asking people what they might be interested in hearing about. And something that, that did make the list here was, it's two things, the storage options, both at home or cloud-based, maybe what's the best bang for the buck, or what's the, the maybe the best for large file sizes, like what we do versus, you know, lots of, lots of small files versus lots of big files, uh, and also synchronizing things from, from uh, home to office. What do you guys recommend for uh, those kinds of problems? <laughs> Andy, you're breaking up. <laughs> this is probably the area where there's the most work to be done. And, and frankly, uh, we haven't found a one-size-fit-all solution to that. Uh, different people are trying different things, like using edge devices to cache locally in the home and then access through NAS, a local server. Uh, accessing through the internet is always difficult. Depends on the workflow too. Uh, for flame artists, uh, we work with raw and uncompressed footage. Uh, for editors, they can work with really, really compressed proxies. So frankly, this is the area where we're struggling the most uh, to find uh, ideal solutions for the users. Moving the data from site to site is the, mm -hmm. a big challenge. For sure. Jason, you got anything you want to add? <laughs> no, I was just trying to think about that. I was just going to say that's that's kind of why it's nice to have, for me, to, to be able to build the solution all in one data center. So the stuff is there, right? It's Everybody's connected to that data via high-speed connection. Um, but it, it's still a challenge. You have to prep everything a day ahead. You got to make sure. You know, we use software like, like Aspera, things like that, to push big, uh, data to the cloud to the storage itself um, but I think you you have to prepare for it you know you got to make sure you've got enough time to get that stuff back um, and when I spoke earlier about doing this movie uh, editing in the cloud it, it like Yannick said it's because we can use a proxy workflow just to build build the editorial it's going to be all based around Adobe Premiere and then at the end of the day we're going to pull down an XML and we're going to relink to the on-prem storage to to do an offline in color so um, it's it's not a there's just I just don't think there's one solution yet. It's like I said, mm -hmm. it's it's a multitude of things that you're piecing together, and where does it fit in your pipeline? So that's that's what you do. Have you guys seen anything that was? Uh, I mean, I, I I hear you that there's no one there's no uh, like one size fits all or or really one perfect solution. But what's the most like creative uh, and kind of wild solution you've seen maybe with your customers? Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, and not wild, but we're seeing a lot of hybrid approaches. You know, I'm also seeing customers that were pure cloud and then they're transitioning to some on-prem because they don't, I think you look at the numbers and the investment, maybe the, you've got a big investment in your stuff that's on-prem, right? And, and your facility and your building and Sometimes, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing stuff where guys are going from, they had a peer cloud solution where people were working from home, but now they want to transition that to putting in the, mm -hmm. the solutions where they're, they're able to utilize what they've already spent money on in the facility, but still work from home. So seeing, seeing some of that and then also seeing it vice versa too, where people are like, well, I'm not going to reinvest in the solutions on-prem. We don't know if we're going to keep this building. We, we, we proved that we could work remotely, right? So the, the next projects going forward, we're going to start building this, this piece of it in the cloud. And so it starts when you do that, you have a bit of a 
hybrid solution going on where you still got some stuff on prem and then you just start phasing it out one way or, or the other. And that that's also why the uh, the extension or KVM model is more and more popular for for a long term and permanent solution because the the workstations stay on premise so they don't have to rethink storage uh the, the workstations are still close to the storage so it's closer to they don't have to redesign the workflow as much gotcha have you guys figured out a, a way to do a, a flame in the cloud not yet <laughs> and and what when you say not yet what's been the like what's not working out of out of curiosity well i, I think one of the challenges because we, we were we were working through this with Resolve as well, right? Where somebody wants to use a panel and, um, you know, a big color panel or something. And we can pass the USB, and I'm talking purely like your machine's in the cloud. So you've got hardware, right? There's specific hardware like Flame needs, like AJ or Blackmagic now, where you need video out. You still need SDI back to a reference monitor. And so that, that stuff is still a bit of a challenge, or we haven't figured that out yet. We have been able to control resolve in the cloud with the panel or the color panel. Um, not consistently though. So there's still things there that need to get figured out. Um, the simple guys do have a Linux build now, a CentOS build. So I'm going to be playing with Flare uh, immediately because maybe we can solve a little bit of it at a time and hopefully, you know, evolve that. So GPU power is also a big issue. Uh, the, the amount of GPU power we need on a flame. Uh, becomes uh, cost prohibitive when it when it comes down to VDIs in the cloud. Oh, interesting. Uh, so that workstation would would cost so much money uh, to to actually run that it's definitely worth the investment of just trying to keep that flame and and allowing access from the user to. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Right. If you're talking about like a P six thousand or so level of, of performance, and you're paying by the hour. Well, it's all part of the equation. Well, yeah, you may end up paying, you know, fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month for a cloud machine to run Flame. So if, if you lease <laughs> right. it, you'd, you'd be better off just buying the hardware upgrade, right? So what? Uh, let's talk a minute uh, for a minute about remote monitoring. What are you guys doing for customers who want to uh, have color accurate displays at home or a color accurate uh, display to their client? You know, if they're doing like a remote grading session. But let's start with at home. Uh, we work with different solutions, and it really depends on how color accurate and uh, what kind of bit depth, and also HDR or no HDR. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, the two main platforms that I personally work with are High Vision or uh, Streambox. Uh, I my favorite one is High Vision. Uh, the problem is limitation and and in color depth uh, to 422 and 10-bit, uh, where if we go up to Streambox, then we can do a full Dolby Vision, CMU, 12-bit 444. But network-wise, though, you really got to have the pipe to be able to stream that kind of data, usually on top of the actual workstation stream, uh, because it's, it becomes a second, uh, basically a second stream. Mm -hmm. um, so having both of them running to a house uh, is definitely a challenge, but those are the two main platforms I work with. I've experimented a little bit with UltraGrid, which I, I think is a great open source platform, and uh, it's a little technical for for the average user to get set up and get tuned up. Where with Streambox and uh, and iVision, 
you have the advantage of having a company that supports it in the background. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, I, so I've used AltraGrid, and it's it's actually a really really great open source project. But I haven't seen it being used that much in uh, at a large scale in studios. I was going to hop in there. Um, what I've got experience with. Andy is um, the Evercast solution seems to be pretty popular among some of our post house customers um, for editorial and, and they're also getting approvals from some of the resolve uh, systems as well. So, but I, I think because it's not just normal live, people are accepting, you know, you're, you're having to deal with stuff that's not what it once was. So mm-hmm. maybe you're, you're not getting full color accuracy, but maybe it's close enough, right? So Evercast seems to be a pretty good solution uh, that people have been happy with. And we've got it integrated in, in the cloud systems as well um, and, and on-prem. So, well, Let me just let me uh, dovetail on the back of that one there. What about calibration for your displays at home? Is there a solution that you've been offering for that or that you've been recommending to your customers for, for calibrating their monitors at home? Uh, there, there's two different approaches for that, or you actually send an engineer there uh, and calibrate the person's TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're seeing a lot, though, more and more, is uh, shipping a monitor along with the decoder. So that way we know that that monitor is color accurate. It's been verified. It's been calibrated. Um, so when it's get, it gets to the house or the other facility, uh, there's no question about the, the, the actual uh, calibration, but either way, you can never really rely on somebody's TV at home uh, to be properly calibrated. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> or I mean, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah. So even, even if uh, somebody's using something like uh, LG OLED series, which are probably what are the closest to well factory calibrated coming out, mm-hmm. uh, they, they still need some work. Uh, out of the box. I have to agree with you. I have one at home and I love it, but it needed to work out of the box. <laughs> yeah, the, the ISF presets on them are really, really good. Uh, they're not that far off, but it doesn't match the color accuracy uh, that an engineer would get out of it if just with a couple hours. Gotcha. One final question for you guys. To someone who's, who's either wanting to start working remotely or really kind of... Uh, bolster the, the solution that they threw together when we all had to hurry up and, uh, and, and lock down. Um, what are the big considerations? What's the, the criteria that you know, every customer really needs to think of, every artist who's working at home needs to think of um, as they're trying to develop a solution? Okay, so with that, I would say, is it, is it a team approach? Are you sharing media? Are you guys working on projects that share the same media? Are you trying to sync media between a team and working remotely? Because I think that's a big challenge, right? Uh, people, do you need to share the same media five times because you got five people on a team? And then once you do that, how are you managing new media? And are, is, is worker number two needing to get files from worker number one? And then is worker number three dependent on files from worker number two? And so that, that becomes a bigger challenge, right? Because then you need to maybe put in some kind of sync mechanism so that all the media, the new media that's made, the new rendering that's made gets to, gets to everybody so they can continue to work. Um, If, if you're just a, just a standalone Lone Ranger guy, then it's, it's not near as challenging, right? So 
you, you do the project and then you you ship the renders or the finals somewhere else. So gotcha. Yannick, you have anything to add to that? And and also like not not to sound like the the, the value added reseller, but um, <laughs> a, a, a lot of that things has a pretty steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. And we personally had to spend countless hours just trying to figure it out. Sometimes just getting a little bit of help and reaching out and, and actually talking to people that have done it and, and possibly hiring them to help you out. Every day that, that somebody with experience can help you with will probably save you five days of running in circles because uh, it, it, it's not simple at the end of the day. Uh, it's simple to get it working, uh, but to really get it working, uh, it, it needs a lot of effort, a lot of knowledge, and there's millions of ways to skin that cat. Like Jason was saying, uh, it really depends on the workflow. Uh, some people have way more demanding needs than others. So uh, that, that's, that's, the, that's one thing I would say is... Um, some sometimes just getting a little bit of help is going to be very productive. Yannick, I think that's really good advice. Um, you know, I, I know just as a as a, a flame artist, it's uh, downtime is like is deadly for us, and uh, with all the added layers of complexity now that that you have to consider with remote workflows, I think finding a, a partner who has already you know done the the hard work and and kind of found all the the red flags and the you know, the potential pitfalls is, uh, is more valuable than ever. So I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you both guys. I really appreciate you taking the time and congratulations, Jason on wrapping. Uh, I think it's just, it's wonderful to hear a success story, uh, from, you know, from a shoot. Maybe I can have you back another time, um, when you're, when you're in, you know, in the middle of, of production so we can hear, you know, how the, the remote workflow went on the film. I'd love that. I'd love to uh, give you guys some um, some information about how we're doing this, how we're building the pipeline for the editorial part of this. And I think it's it's interesting. So it's worth talking about. Awesome. Well, thank you both. Stay safe out there. Jason, get some rest. And Yannick, I I, uh, I look forward to the day when I can see you face to face. I will be in New York next week. So <laughs> really, we can make oh, that happen. All right. Well, I'll, I'll turn south <laughs> and wave. <laughs> Once again, this episode of The Logic Podcast was sponsored by AJA. AJA develops an extensive range of solutions for the professional video and audio market, from conversion devices to IO solutions, digital recorders, cameras, and more. They make the best gear out there, so if you're looking for anything in the IO market, be sure to get it from AJA. You can see everything they have to offer at AJA.com. This episode is also sponsored by Synesis Oceana. Find out more about their remote workflow solutions at cinesis.io. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. I think I need a reseller to help me. Hold on. My microphone just fell off. Oh, open shit. a ticket. Thank God Zoom records separate audio. What happened? His microphone just fell off the boom. <laughs> that's great outtakes andy outtakes now you know the answer to the question how many flame artists does it take to record a fucking podcast oh my god you're back (laughs) (laughs) oh jesus
Um, that's great. Watch me recover. Ready? Yannick, I think that's really good advice. 